That's, uh, that's what we should all be looking for, right? I, I wanted to, I played that because the title of my sermon today is The Christmas Spirit. I was in uh, uh, Phoenix the, right before Thanksgiving, and you know, Christmas starts, you know, honestly, it seems like it starts after the 4th of July now, um, but people are getting ready, and, and, and we've kind of overlooked Thanksgiving, and we've just went right into this whole Christmas season, and, and I was in, my, my brother-in-law had passed away, and so I went to Phoenix to uh, uh, his funeral service, and I got up in the morning and went for a run, and when I was out, uh, it was running down the street, and and I happened to notice a liquor store, which normally wouldn't really spark my attention, but there was the name of the liquor store, and then right after that on the the building, it had the name of the liquor store, and then it said, Beer, Wine, and Spirits. (laughs) And that's the way it used to be. Liquor stores back in Michigan, that was Beer, Wine, and Spirits, and it seems like... uh, when I moved to Arizona, most of the liquor store dropped the spirits part. And right underneath the marquee, though, on the marquee, right underneath that, it said there, it said, get your Christmas spirits here. And it got me thinking about how confused so many people are about what is the Christmas spirit. What, what, is, what does that mean to us, the spirit of Christmas? I mean, so many people have different thoughts about that. What is the true meaning? What is the true and real meaning of the spirit of Christmas? Because at this time of year, a lot of people have a lot of different things, and people try a lot of different ways to get into the Christmas spirit. We, we've all heard that, right? But what exactly is the Christmas spirit? And... At this time of season, with all sorts of people coming and checking out and visiting the church from all different backgrounds and different places, am I even allowed to really stand in the pulpit and to honestly, truthfully declare the real spirit of Christmas without becoming politically incorrect in this woke world we live in? I mean... I mean, everything is so divided and divisive. I, you know, I, I go out, and I, and I purpose myself when I go out and I'm in different places. I purpose myself to go out and say, Merry Christmas. Yeah. I'm not going to be pushed out of saying Merry Christmas because you know what? I want you to have a Merry Christmas. Amen. So I say Merry Christmas. And I know when I say Merry Christmas, sometimes the people at the checkout, or they look at me funny. Like, <laughs> how dare you? Yeah, how dare I wish you a Merry Christmas. Now, on the other side of that coin, I have made the mistake. I've, 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 I'll be honest with you. I've slipped. I've said it. I, I, I've, at times, I've said, Happy Holidays. Oh, I know, that's it. <laughs> and... And, and I mean, it, and it, this is, it's not right, it's not true, but it comes out of my mouth, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. They're going to think I'm a liberal. But, but isn't it amazing how even that, those two little statements bring such division and divisiveness in the culture in which we live today? So even this whole thing, we celebrate Christmas, church. 
We celebrate Christmas, and we celebrate when Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth to save mankind, to give us an opportunity to follow the only one that's ever made it out alive. But we look at the spirit of Christmas like something that we catch during the holidays, like, like we catch the, a cold or the flu. And church, just like, catching, you know, I, just like catching COVID is not a good thing, neither is to catch the worldly spirit of Christmas. Honestly, more than likely, if you catch the worldly spirit of Christmas, you're going to end up in a bunch of trouble or debt. Because we get so confused with this. Some, some people, you know, to, to get into the Christmas spirit, you've probably heard this. Some of you have probably done this. To, to get into the Christmas spirit, what are we going to do? Well, first thing a lot of people like to do is, I like to go shopping. I like to go to the mall. I'm, I'm being sarcastic here, okay? I'm, that's not me. Um, I, don't, I don't like to go there. <laughs> I think the mall is someplace closer to hell than my home is, so... <clears throat> Anyway, so a lot of people will, in, in, to get into the Christmas spirit, they'll go shopping because, all, you know, all the decorations. And like I said, they start coming out, right, you know, in, in July. And so we have a lot of time, and the, the music starts, and all of a sudden, you know, you're feeling caught up into the Christmas spirit, right? Well, I go to the shopping mall, and I've got to be careful because if I go shopping and I get out there and I start doing that stuff without Joni's refrain on my life, I end up in the spirit of debt. Or I go with Joni and I end up at the mall sitting on an uncomfortable bench taking on a, a different spirit. <laughs> uh, this, all of a sudden, the spirit of Scrooge comes over me. Like, and, and I'm like, I don't, not even liking all these people and why are they doing this and where's my wife? And, and it's just not a lot of fun. A lot of people like to get into the Christmas spirit. So maybe some of you have gotten into the Christmas spirit by going to your work Christmas party. Oh, boy. Isn't it amazing how we can go to an office party or a work party to celebrate Christmas? Honestly, you know what? We don't catch the spirit there. We become a lot of times possessed by the spirit there. The same spirit that they talked about on the, you know, the liquor store marquee. We get caught up in the spirit of inebriation. You know, we end up partying. We end up thinking that this is going to get me into the Christmas spirit because that's what we do every year. For a lot of people, it means a lot of different things, getting into the Christmas spirit. It's defined in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it becomes in the way of an attitude, just something that we think about or a philosophy or a warm, fuzzy feeling that we get during this time of year. And if we can just conjure that attitude, conjure that up, then we got ourselves into the Christmas spirit. For others, for Christians, the Christ, the, you know, non-Christians and Christians alike, the spirit of Christmas really has become, for many, nothing more than just another holiday. I, I heard a newscaster talking about this the other day, and they were talking about how their favorite holiday, here we are in the Christmas season, their favorite holiday is the 4th of July. I'm sorry, I'm a Christian before I'm a patriot. You know, this is when we celebrate eternal life and the opportunity that God has given us. And, and for many people, it's just time off work. It's just another excuse for the family to get together, another time to, you know, it's another time for the family to get into a big fight. 
Or it's a time when we go out and we get a bunch of gifts and we give a bunch of gifts and we give them to people only to let those gifts sit in the garage until next year when you're invited to a white elephant party. <laughs> Look, the real spirit of Christmas is not a warm, fuzzy feeling. It has deep spiritual meaning. It has something in us that, that, this, that if we truly understand what we're talking about today, we can find the spirit of Christmas bringing a deep spiritual renewal in ourselves. You know, we, everybody's talking about today the vaccine, vaccine, the jab, the jab. You know what we need in this season is not, is, is not anything physical. We need a spiritual shot in the arm. Amen. 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 You know, there is a, a variety of, of different things that this whole Christmas spirit conjures up in our, in our lives, attitudes and emotions that sometimes, again, not even bad attitudes and emotions that we look at and we think, well, this must be the spirit of Christmas. People see these different attributes at work and, and say, well, the spirit of Christmas is, is this. The spirit of Christmas is, is hope and, and joy. Probably 90, 95% of you have a Christmas decoration that you pull out that says hope and joy, peace. Which again, those are wonderful. But is that the true spirit of Christmas? See, I, you know, a lot of these things, you know, what we really don't want to catch. Please, protect yourself. Don't catch this worldly spirit of Christmas. Don't, don't do that. Do, we do, listen, please, don't take me wrong. Do go out there, and I hope each and every one of you get, you know, get caught up in the attributes of the Holy Spirit in your life. Which, let me also say this. The real spirit of Christmas is the Holy Spirit. The... The attributes of the Holy Spirit are absolutely wonderful and important. They're called the fruit of the Spirit. And, and there's a, an evidence of the Spirit of God in our life as the fruit of the Spirit is produced in our life. The Apostle Paul tells us about the fruit of the Spirit in his letter to the church at Galatia. In Galatians 5, and 23, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit, this is what the Spirit produces. We don't produce fruit. The Spirit produces the fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that He produces is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And again, I think there's one more thing that needs to be added to that without, again, I'm not adding to the Word of God. You, you will see what I mean when I tell you. I think that we should also see in the Holy Spirit and receive from the Holy Spirit the attribute of giving. The attribute that he brings because this is a day in which we celebrate the greatest gift ever given. The greatest gift ever given. And that is when God the Father gave us his son, Jesus Christ, for the atonement of our sins. And church, these attributes are wonderful. These attributes are great and I think we should seek them. Let me just also say this, that those attributes are not the real spirit of Christmas. They are the attributes of the spirit of Christmas. They're, the real spirit of Christmas, church, is none other than the person of the Holy Spirit. 
Listen, this is what the heavens declare. This is what the angel came to Mary and said. The angel came to Mary and spoke these words to her in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. If the angel answered, talking to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, the use of the word here is overshadow. It talks about the creative and the maintaining power of God. It is that same power of God that was there in the beginning. It was in creation. It's the same insinuation as was there in the very beginning of Genesis when God, when when. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth, over the darkness, looking and waiting for the moment when he would bring his light into the darkened world. In Genesis, it says this in the first two verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. In the very beginning, there was darkness, and God, in the Holy Spirit, hovered over the darkness, ready to bring light into that place. It, that, that overshadowing word is the same word that was used to describe how the, the pillar of cloud was at the tabernacle in the, the presence of Moses as Moses went out to be in the tent of the presence of God. It's the same thing that we saw, the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. It overshadowed the people of Israel. And church, it's the same word that's applied to the presence of God as the, in the Holy of Holies, as the, in the tabernacle and in the temple. So what that means is that the same Holy Spirit that hovered over creation and brought light into a darkened world was the same Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary. And caused Mary's womb to become the holy of holies for the Son of God. The same light, the same power. And so church, when Jesus Christ was born, it was the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the highest, the power of the holy God, most high Holy Spirit. And he cast his presence over the womb of Mary. He filled her up, placing inside of her the very seed of God, the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us, came to earth. And it was the power of the spirit of Christmas that brought that blessing. I want to take a look at that and look at what many call the, the Mary miracle, M-A-R-Y miracle. And, and we're told that in this Mary miracle that, that uh, you know, the scripture, we know that in reading scripture, that the scriptures declared hundreds and hundreds of years before this all happened exactly what was going to happen. This is what God did. God told us exactly what was going to go on. So long before Jesus ever came, the, God told through the prophets exactly what was going to happen to the letter. And he did that so that we would know that we know that we know that that was him. That this is, this is how you will know the Messiah. And it was fulfilled through the, what happened through this virgin in Bethlehem. It was fulfilled, the prophecies to a T, to that letter. And this is what Isaiah prophesied. Isaiah said this, again, hundreds of years before. In verse 14 of Isaiah 7, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. What God was saying is, you're not going to miss this. He said, this is going to happen, and it's never happened before. 
and it will never happen after. But there is going to come a moment in this sin-darkened world when I will pierce the darkness with the light. And it will happen in a moment. And you're going to know that moment because the baby will be born from a virgin. So you're not going to be able to miss it. Listen, church, it's never happened before, never happened again. There's this one moment when God brought into this darkness, God brought light. And God said, I will bring forth my son, the Savior, the Messiah, and he will come through a virgin. And he, he is named and what he will be is Emmanuel, God with us. He is God with us. Listen, if he's not, God with us, then we are in a lot of a world of hurt. We, we, I mean, if, he, if he's not Emmanuel, he can't save us. And therefore, we're all destined and doomed. He was Emmanuel. And then, not even, I mean, like, that wouldn't be enough, but then he says, and I want you to know that he's going to be born in this little town of Bethlehem. The prophet Micah in Micah 5.2 says this, But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. From Bethlehem Ephratah. Why? I mean, we've heard Bethlehem. What does that whole thing mean? Why is, did Micah prophesy this? And Bethlehem, so you just... So you know, Bethlehem means house of bread or place of bread. Ephrata means fruitful. And so what God is doing is that God exactly intended to happen is what happened. It was the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, and it would happen in the town and the birthplace of King David where the Messiah would come. He would come to the house of bread. He would come to this place. Who came to the house of bread? The bread of life came to the house of bread. And through the house of bread, from the bread of life, came fruitfulness. This is what God did. I mean, and so all of this is the wonderful and only could be the work of the Holy Spirit that was at work inside of Mary. Which leads me to the first aspect of, the, of what the true spirit of Christmas is that I want to share with you today. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit inside. Jesus was born by the work of the Holy Spirit inside of Mary. And this, again, brings me to the basis of the message that I want to share with you. That just as the Holy Spirit overshadowed and formed inside of Mary, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the promise of God, so the Holy Spirit wants to overshadow and form inside of us. Inside of us, God's holy temple with Jesus Christ upon the throne of our hearts. And God's desire is to impregnate us with the very plans and purposes of God for our lives. And he would then through those plans and purposes, through the Holy Spirit, he would produce fruitfulness from out of us. And that's the design and desire that he has for each and every one of us. And that is the real spirit of Christmas. That is what God wants us to receive. And it's something that only God can give. You can't receive the spirit of Christmas at the mall or at Target or Walmart or even on Amazon. You don't receive the spirit of Christmas at your Christmas party. 
The Spirit of God is something that God and only God can give us. And he has extended that gift to each and every one. He has opened the door for each and every one of us. And it is the miracle of God's Son, Jesus Christ, inside of all of us that have called upon the name of the Lord and received Jesus Christ to be the Savior and the Lord of our lives. Placed in us the seal of the Holy Spirit. And what Mary received and what Mary gave was the work of the Holy Spirit. And God has this design for you and I that we can partake like Mary did, the kind of Christmas. We can have that kind of Christmas spirit like Mary. She experienced that night, that wonderful night, that glorious night in Bethlehem as a virgin some 2,000 plus years ago. Now I know that many have the question, well, how can I have the kind of Christmas like Mary. Mary, Mary was special. She, she was, like the angel said, she was highly favored. And yes, Mary was divinely chosen. She was divinely chosen to give birth to Jesus Christ. That through her, the light of God's son would come into the world. The light of the world would come through this little virgin girl named Mary. But church, let me also tell you, in the same way, Each one of us, each one of you have been divinely chosen to bring into this world the light of Jesus Christ. You are called to bring the light of life into a sin-darkened world. You are called to be bearers of the light, carriers of the light, those who would take the light into dark places. That's what God did, and we are called to walk in the ways of God. Jesus Christ, God in the beginning brought light into the darkness. Jesus brought light into the darkness and now he wants you and I to bring light into the darkness. That's our purpose. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five in verses 14 and through 16. He says this, you are the light of the world. He doesn't say you might be, you could be. He doesn't even tell us we should be. He says you are. You are the light of the world. But too many Christians, believers, have put that light under a basket. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he says this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's your call. That is what you are supposed to be doing. That is your purpose, church. As believers, that's why God left you here. So we have a whole lot more in common with Mary than what we might think. Just like Mary had a very special place in God's plan, I want you to know that you have been created with a very special place in God's plan as well. That you have this place of divine destiny that God has created you to walk in. He has something that he has for you to do that nobody else can do. And we see this, in the, we see this throughout God's word. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. One of my life verses is Jeremiah 29, 11. Should be one of yours as well. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. That's what God says about you. That means he has a divine destiny for you, just like he did for her. My favorite verse in all the scriptures, my very key life verse 
Ephesians 2.10, I talk about it a lot because I want to get it into your heart. It is that you are, you are God's masterpiece. You are his custom-crafted, one-of-a-kind creation that there is no two like you. You are custom-made to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. He has a plan. He has a divine destiny for you. And it's a destiny that he created before you were ever even formed in your mother's womb. He knows in advance what he has called and what he created you to do now you know again while you know well mary had a had a little bit of an advantage because the angel gabriel shows up and starts to speak what the father had told him to speak and we may not have that same advantage i don't know about you i i have not had the angel gabriel come to me and tell me what the purposes and plans were for my life and maybe he hasn't come to you probably not Otherwise, you might be the one up here talking. (laughs) But honestly, church, just like God delivered the word to Mary, God has delivered to you and I his purposes and his plans and his destiny and his promises for your life. He has done that, and and he shares that with us through that small, still voice of the Holy Spirit as he confirms and declares the living word of God in our lives. Listen, the same way that Mary heard the words of God through the angel, Gabriel, is the same way that through the Holy Spirit, you and I can hear the living word of God through the scriptures. You can hear and hear, know exactly what God wants you to do as you open up the scriptures and trust the Holy Spirit to lead you into them. Because listen, the amazing part about this is that when you by faith, when you take Jesus Christ and accept him into your life as the Lord and the Savior of your life, Jesus places the Holy Spirit inside of you. He puts this deposit of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And what's so cool about that is that he is the same power that overshadowed Mary. And he now overshadows us and he lives on the inside of us he dwells within us we have the same mighty power of the holy spirit working within us on our behalf to bring about the plans and the purposes and the destiny of god in our lives we have the same opportunity to work in the power of god to let those plans and destinies of god become flesh we have that opportunity Look, the real spirit of Christmas is the Holy Spirit. And his transformative power starts working right away in our life to bring about the plans and the purposes and the promises of God. This is what he starts to do. He starts to transform our lives. Well, how do we get ready for that? How do we prepare ourselves for that? How how can... I don't know about the rest of you, but man, how could I expect a visitation like that? You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the kind of, th- the kind of hurt that I've created. You don't know the foul things that go through my mind. How in the world could I expect a visitation of the Holy Spirit in my life? church consider Mary you know I I mean let's face it Mary was a sinner if Mary was not a sinner 
Mary wasn't born with a sin nature like you and I, then we would not have needed Jesus. But we did. Because God worked through a sinner to bring salvation. That's what he did. Yet, please see this. Although Mary was still a sinner, she was still considered highly favored by God. How does that happen? You know what Mary did? Mary just believed. She just trusted God. She just did what she knew she was supposed to do. Mary just obeyed. That's what she did. You know what Mary did? Mary remained pure. She remained a virgin. And when the angel comes to her and tells her the news about what's going to happen, she responds by saying, well, I've never known a man, but hey, let it be as you have said. She knew herself, but she trusted God. She trusted in the God in whom she knew more than she trusted in all of her faults and all of her failures. And for us, church, listen, we are sinners, but we are saved by grace. We are saved by grace and grace alone that no man could boast. You are saved by what Jesus did for you, not what you've done for Jesus. You are saved because he loves you and he cares about you. And that means that God's grace comes into our life. And that means that our purity, although our flesh may not have purity, our flesh may not be acting it out, our flesh may fail, our flesh may fall, our spirit has been made white as snow. Our spirit has been renewed and redeemed and we have been made pure in our spirit. That happened when you asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life and when you accepted the grace of his gift of forgiveness in your life and decided I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to start transforming my life. It says in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, if, if, if we confess our sins He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Come on, that's good news, church. Therefore, we need to clear the way for the Holy Spirit and open the door for this transformative work that he does. And we do that by confession and repentance. By confessing our sins and repenting, meaning I turn away from those things that God says not to do, to turn towards the things that God has called me to do. It means this. It means that in the impurity of our flesh, we make our flesh obey the spirit and we make our flesh come in line with where our spirit already is. Our spirit has been made pure and whole. So what can we expect after after that? after we experience the transforming power of God in our life, what can we expect? We expect, we can expect everything to go perfect and just fine and never another issue or problem in our life. Uh, I thought you guys wanted a cheery Christmas message. No. You know what? It won't. You can expect what Mary got. You know what? Look at what happened in Mary's life after she accepted the the, the promise of Jesus' birth in her. What happened with Mary? All of a sudden, her life turned upside down. Mary went from this pure little nice little girl, and all of a sudden, her life was in chaos. Her life was a mess. 
I mean, all of a sudden, this girl who everybody looked to before is somebody now that they're all looking at. They're all talking about. They're all staring at. They're all, I mean, and even Joseph isn't sure what to do. In fact, Joseph was so unsure that an angel literally had to show up to him and tell him what to do. Mary had to leave and go visit her relatives. Mary had to get out of there. But you know what Mary did through all this? And I want you to listen to this. Through all of that, Mary had to continually remind herself that there was a miracle in her mess. In the midst of all of that, there was a miracle. The Bible tells us that Mary, all of these promises of God, the Bible says Mary hid them in her heart. Mary hid those miracles in her heart. Have you hidden the promises of God in your heart? Have you put them in a place that they can be treasured and cared for, held on to, a place where you know exactly where they are so that you can bring those up and bring those out at that moment when the mess seems to be wanting to overtake things? You see, in this respect, Mary's just like the rest of us. God has a very special and a very unique plan for each and every one of us. Unfortunately, the problem is this, that oftentimes the mess becomes so big, the mess comes up and the mess starts to surround us and oftentimes the mess starts to overshadow the blessings and the promises of God to where all we can see is the mess and we miss the promise. We take the promises and we, they become totally obscured and we can't pull them out because we just don't see them. But church, just like, think about this, just like baby Jesus, most of our miracles don't come fully grown. Okay, they take some time and therefore in that time, they need to be carefully guarded. They need to be nurtured. Can you imagine what would have happened, how history would be different, how the world would be different if Mary would have aborted her child because of, it was inconvenient, because it was difficult and because there was the stigma of being pregnant outside of marriage? Church, like Mary, God has placed a dream inside. God has impregnated you with a dream, with a hope, with a future. He has given you a promise. He has plans for you. That's what the word tells us. He has a you have inside of you, God has placed a vision. He's given you a purpose. And it's all growing on the inside of you. And we need to be careful not to abort God's plans church, or his purposes for our life because it becomes inconvenient, because it becomes hard, because it becomes difficult, because it becomes messy. We can't do that. See, Mary had, think about this. Mary was born, Jesus was born through Mary as a baby. Mary had to raise this baby to adulthood. She had to care for, she had to nurture, she had to raise up God in that way. Well, church, just like Mary had to raise up her child to adulthood, there is a place in us where we have to be willing to take those promises and dreams and raise them up as well. Because God has conceived a purpose inside of you. And then once it's birthed, you need to carefully nurture it and raise that dream, that hope up into the fullness of God. And then be willing to let God release it in his time. That's the hard part. We don't always trust God's time. You know, Jesus was 30 years old when he was at the wedding at Cana in Galilee. 
And his mom basically said, hey, you know, do a miracle here. And Jesus said, woman, my time has not yet come. He had a time to step out and to fulfill the destiny that he was here for. And so do your dreams. We need to trust God to bring that time to pass and let God do what we can. But like I said, it gets messy. It gets difficult. It gets hard. Raising a, has anybody found out raising a child is messy? Yeah. My goodness, you get one room picked up and, and you go to another room and you send them into that room and you go back into this room and what happened? Little tornadoes have just gone off, fell over the place. Little, little child bombs have blown up everywhere. And it's a mess. And everywhere they go, there's spilt milk over here and there's cereal on the floor over here. There's stuff on the floor that even the dog won't eat. <laughs> there's a mess that's going on everywhere we go. There's writing on the walls. <laughs> How did you get behind my bed like that? There's a mess everywhere. And so what do we do? We want to clean up the mess, so we send them outside. And then they go out and they become, get such a mess that they take the mess and they bring that mess inside. Hi, uh, my kids, when we first moved here, I, I was reminded of this picture. Those, uh, that was right after we moved here. My, my kids were Arizona kids. They did not know what mud was. So when we moved here, my, uh, coming from Arizona, our backyard was not cared for or taken care of. It was full of just weeds. It was all just weeds. And so I did what any, you know, Arizona landscaper would do. And I took the Roundup and killed everything. I had no idea that snow melted like that, you know, and that when the rains came, that my backyard turned into a swamp. It was, it was terrible. When we, my kids, not knowing what mud really was, because we didn't have mud in Arizona, um, they went out on a day of a big, huge rain and just got into the mud and, and made a terrible mess. So what I did as dad was they made the mess, so I cleaned it up. I got out the hose. Yep, and, and hosed them down. It was cold out, but... Didn't matter. We hosed them down from top to bottom. Sometimes, you know what? It was uncomfortable for them. They didn't really like that whole process of cleaning up. But dad knew how to do it. Church, even though life might be messy, it's never, even though you may not like it, it's never out of the ability of God to clean it up. God can clean up every and any mess. And we see that. God tells us that in his word. In Luke chapter 1, in verse 37, Jesus is talking, or, or not Jesus, the, the angel Gabriel is still talking to um, Mary. And he says, he says this, he says, for nothing is impossible with God. You know, we've all heard that verse, we've quoted that verse, we've said that word, verse, but oftentimes we don't tie it into the Christmas story. And the truth is, is that that verse is right in the middle of this Christmas story. And that verse was quoted from God through the angel to Mary as she was receiving the most incredible promise ever given to human beings in any way, shape, or form concerning our physical limitations and God's absolute ability to supersede them in any case. 
So no matter what you're going through or where you're at, no matter how far short your human abilities might be, you will never be able to fall short in God's ability to come in and to clean up that mess. God's, God came into this world in such a miraculous way. He was born of a virgin. I don't know how that happened. One day, you know, standing before God, man, how did that, how did that come go down, you know? How did that happen? And, and I don't need to know. For that to be, and should be for each and every one of us, it has to be a mainstay of our statement of faith. It's at the very core of the articles of faith that we stand and believe in. And while Jesus, in this miraculous birth, it is a fact fulfilled in the past, I want you to know it's also a spiritual possibility and a reality for today. See, just as Jesus came into this world through Mary, Jesus can also come into this world through you and me. That's what it means when Jesus said, you must be born again. God wants each one of us to experience the Christmas spirit. To be born again. To receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And, and right now, this scripture here, let me read to you Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. And I pray you'll open your heart open your ears and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Jesus said this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Do you hear him knocking today? Is he knocking on your heart? Not if you're not listening. Not if you're not listening. He says, if anyone, you know, every one of you, everyone isn't anyone. And for each and every one of you, this has nothing to do with how long you've been in church, how many times you've gone to service, how many times, this has nothing to do with any of that. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, simple as just opening the door of your heart to him. He says this. He doesn't say I might. He says I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus will start to create through the Holy Spirit sweet fellowship. And it can only happen by the real spirit of Christmas. The Holy Spirit. He's the one that does that. And like the, like the Holy Spirit did in Mary, like the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, the Holy, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and bring about this miracle of new life. This place where new life would flow in and through you. You know, I want all of you, I want, you here, I want all of you to have a Merry Christmas. But more important than just a Merry Christmas, I want you to have a Merry Christmas, an M-A-R-Y Christmas. 
where God is born in you, where God does something in your heart to deposit the Holy Spirit, the kind of Christmas where you would experience this merry miracle for your life and you would hear in a fresh, in a positive way that God has something planned for you, that God has a purpose for you, that God has designed your life and he has something that only you can do, that he created for only you to go into and it is a special and it is a unique promise that he has given to you and your life will never find fulfillment until you realize that you were made for this and this is what you're doing because God made you to do that. And if you're doing something besides what God wants, you're never gonna find fulfillment. You are created for a plan. You are created for a purpose and it's the Holy Spirit that wants to bring that about in God's timing in your life. But church, it has to start. It can only start by doing as Mary did. And saying, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe who you are. I believe in what you've done. I believe you are Emmanuel. And I receive you into my life. I am a sinner. But I also know, Lord, and I trust that by your grace, I'm able to be forgiven and cleansed and made pure that my God is a God who forgives. And I receive that today. I open my heart to you and I receive that today, Lord, because I need you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit that I might be able to say, Lord, now I am your servant. And church, this procession needs to come to this place where we say, okay, Lord, let it be unto me as you have said. That was Mary's response. And we need to receive that and say, yes, Lord. Yes to your word of promise. Worship team, come on back up, would you please? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could all have that kind of Christmas this year? A Christmas present that you won't find in the white elephant bag next year. <laughs> the kind of present that God brings into a darkened place and renews us. The kind of promise that will never go away, that we can hide in our heart. It's the spirit of Christmas. Wouldn't it be amazing for the love of God, the, the Father, the, the power of God to overshadow you and meet your absolute greatest need, the need that you have for this insolvable problem, this problem that can't be cured, there is no hope and no way out. It's the problem of sin and eternal destiny. Because without Jesus... We are bound to be cast out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There really is a hell. And there really is a heaven. And the only one that came from, this, came from heaven into this hell to save us that we might have heaven for eternity is the only one that knows the way out. Will you accept it? Will you receive from him what he has provided for you? 
And then he brings the power of God into our lives. He brings victory into our life. Wouldn't it be amazing to find the victory in your life to something that you have been struggling with and struggling with and struggling with in your own strength and found yourself absolutely, utterly helpless and now finally by the power of God and the Holy Spirit in your life, he gives you this ability that you never had before to overcome what you never could before. It's the power of God. It can happen. I know some of you are thinking, oh, that's impossible. That's because you're looking at it from a human perspective. You know what God says to your doubt? God says, nothing is impossible with God. I don't care how far you have fallen, how far away you are, you are not outside of the arms of a God who says nothing is impossible for him. Turn to me. I will come to you and I will forgive you and cleanse you and make you whole. Is that where you are? Can you hear him knocking on the door of your heart today? Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, in the name of Jesus, we... We come to you and thank you, God. You are so gracious and so good that you lead us in triumphal processions. And I pray, Lord, that for many that that procession would start today. That if there's any in this place, Lord, that don't know, that they know, that they know, that they know that you are the light that's come into their darkness to, Father God, bring salvation. I pray that today, Lord, they would call out to you. There's no condemnation in you. You're no respecter of persons, you said. You accept us just as we are. He said, come to me. In this season, are you weary and burdened, overwhelmed, anxious? Jesus said, come to me. Ask Jesus to fill you with his spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and unveil unto you the reason for your existence, the purpose of your creation, the destiny of your days. Oh God, have your way. church truly comes in relation with the spirit of Christmas. Here I am to worship Come on, Here I am 
Christmas, each and every one of you. So here I am to worship. 